This is the special release of Talking Tactics, where we show you the career-making power of a single, clever tactic idea. I'm your host, Diana Kibiltz, Strategy Director at Ology, and this is what I have for you. Five inspiring episodes, five higher ed pros you'll recognize, each with a story of a single tactic that opened up doors in their career and in some cases, even redefined the norms of how we do our work in higher ed. Join me as we take a trip down memory lane to their early career moments, the challenge they had to solve, and the tactic that did the trick. After all, if a single tactic defined the trajectory of their career, what's stopping you from defining yours? Are you ready? Let's talk tactics. Hello, listeners. This is Day, your host, and welcome to this special release of the Talking Tactics podcast, where each episode will welcome one of higher education's most well-known stars. What does this have to do with tactics, you might be wondering? Well, they're here to share a tactic they tried early in their career, which opened up doors they could never have anticipated and started the path to the success they have today. Our guest, our special guest today is Carrie Phillips, Dr. Carrie Phillips, as I like to say, and she's the Chief Communications and Marketing Officer at UA Little Rock. She's been solving higher education challenges for over 15 years. She began her career as an assistant director and then moved to leading a team of creatives and then moved to managing both a marketing and communications team. Her leadership philosophy focuses on creating brand and departmental culture, and her teams have won both a national and global awards as a result. Carrie earned her doctorate from Texas Tech, studying how universities are using marketing to mitigate the enrollment cliff. After finishing the doctorate, she's now carrying on about higher education and leadership on her website and carryon.com, which I recommend you go and read. She's also a presenter, a nationally renowned presenter, speaking at multiple conferences, including High End Web, AMA, Case, UCDA, and more. Carrie, I am so delighted to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. And as I've had some time to reflect about what we're going to talk about, it has really had a profound impact on me. So I'm excited to share more. I love that. And you know, Part of what I'm really excited about the special release is our listeners tend to be uh, early career folks, mid-career folks, um, trying to make things work and do things right. And just seeing someone like you and how successful you are and how kind of well-known you are and where you are now in your career and understanding, oh man, I could be that one day. That's what I love about this. So thanks for sharing. Absolutely. So Take us back to early career, Carrie. What was your first role in higher ed? So I started in higher ed as the assistant director of new media. And I was really hired to figure out what all these new media kinds of things were. This was right as Facebook was launching this idea of you could have pages. And I know, I know. So my husband used to introduce me to people and tell people that I was hired to play on Facebook for a living. Which I mean is kind of there's some truth to that, but 
you know, that was a time when it, when things like Facebook and news websites were really just starting. There was a lot of conversation around the table in the higher education institutions of, did those things have any kind of staying power? And so my job was to kind of figure out and start thinking through what was that and put some purpose and strategy there. Which, I mean, what a job, right? And yes, it did have staying power. We should go back in time and tell ourselves that. Right? Spoiler <laughs> alert. It's, it's social is here. Invest. Yeah. So how come you got you went into higher education? Was that your plan right after college? It actually wasn't. So I graduated with a journalism degree. That's my undergraduate degree and moved to North Carolina where I was a television producer. I did that for a couple of years and I am intrinsically drawn to do work that matters. But after I got into TV, I quickly figured out that wasn't quite the right way that I wanted to do that work. And so I started kind of thinking what might be next and ended up getting a master's in multimedia journalism and then had the opportunity to go back to my alma mater and work kind of in this this position that was brand new at the time. That's, I mean, that's, I think, a common thing. We We end up in higher ed. <laughs> we nobody plans to go no, to higher. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But here's where we belong. So, all right. So you are, you know, in this new role. You're trying to figure out if Facebook matters. Talk to us about this tactic that really just started this entire avalanche of success for you. So the issue that we had in the town where I was at the time is we had the joke that we were in what we called media Siberia. The oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> so the closest TV station to the East was 75 miles and the closest station to the West was 75 miles. So if you talk to the folks in the East, they said, oh, you're in the West market. If you talk to folks in the West, they said, no, you're really in the East market. And the bottom line is nobody was coming unless there was something major. So we were missing this opportunity again and again and again to tell those really moving stories, to tell the exciting things on campus, just because the physical distance was so far that with you know television stations being like so many other things tied on resources, they just didn't have the capacity to send people down all the time. So that's kind of the problem of the, and kind of where we were in the landscape. And so that's, kind of what spurred this strategy. And so I remember sitting at my desk one day, you know, and it was move in and move in weekend is a fun weekend. You know, you have all these great photos and video. And I just thought, well, wait a sec. Why do, what if we sent it to them? You know, they're not going to come, but what if? And so I, you know, started doing some digging and trying to figure out what that might look like. And it really opened up kind of and changed the entire way we thought about campus and how we kind of approached our media issue. So, all right. So you're thinking, okay, we obviously, we all want to build awareness. We want to share our stories. We want to be known in our markets. Nobody's coming here. Like, mind you all, this is before social media was the way that we did these things, right? So it's like, why don't we do it? And why don't we send it? So what did that take? How did you make that happen? So we had invested in a camera, but we Whoa. were still, I know, right? <laughs> but, but, but we're not that great. So again, take us back a, a few minutes. We didn't have SD cards in this camera. We didn't have compact flash. Like we didn't have any of those. It was still the mini DVC tapes that were the little, so 
Yeah. So step one is it was like, okay, how do we get this in a digital format? Because we, so I did some research and found some equipment and found a, a basic converter that could convert that into a digital file and do that in relatively quickly. And it wasn't super expensive. So that was kind of step one is I knew I needed to purchase that piece of equipment. I want to say it was like maybe 200, $300, not inexpensive, but not so wildly expensive that it was a non-starter. Um, and then I called our campus IT folks and said, okay, because again, we don't have Dropbox, we don't have Google Share, we don't have like all of these sharing platforms. How did we exist back right? then? <laughs> like, so none of that, none of that existed. And so I called our campus IT folks and I explained what I was trying to do. And they worked and figured out how to put some space on a server that I could FTP into to upload the video. And then I could give our TV partners if they were interested a back way into that where they could log in with a username and a password that we set up for them to be able to grab that content. And so it took about a week and a half to get all those pieces together. And then, but then we had it, we figured it was worth a try. And so that very first move in, we took some of the video that we had shot kind of pre-existing that day that we would, you know, use internally for things and put it together. And because of my TV background, I already knew how to edit. I already knew how to write scripts. So I edited that together into a Vosot. So we had some interviews and then some B-roll and put that together, put together a script, gave them the roll times, like the cue counts, all of that information and sent it. And I was curious to see what happened next. And you know, I thought people would be interested. I really did. But I had no idea that every TV station would say, hey, can you send us this? And then they would run it without making any changes. So I had effectively gone from just sending some content to controlling the exact message that we wanted. And it... Which, how does... Where in media does that ever happen, right? Right. And it just, it really stuck with me of how strapped resource-wise our TV stations were that I had somebody with a little bit of experience so I could write it in their language, write it in kind of the right tone that would make sense for news. And it passed that quick glance of, yeah, that looks good. And just went into the show exactly as it was sent. I just think this is so creative, right? So in retrospect, when you think about it, you're kind of like, this is simple, right? Like, but this is what the magic is of these ideas that yeah, they are simple. They're doable. You can make it happen. And you have to be so resourceful and so creative. And you just open up this entire just new land of opportunity. I'm imagining the other side of that, like the the TV folks having to log into a mysterious link. We would never right? do that nowadays. <laughs> I mean, so much of this, and but I think that's part of the magic too, is that you know, so much of it worked in that time in that space. Like nowadays, this tactic is certainly dated. Like it it just doesn't, it's so commonplace now that now you just, you know, had video on your phone that you would text somebody and you can do so much more. 15-ish years ago, this was pretty forward thinking. And so I think, I think that's kind of the part though, is that you've got to find those things that work for your particular institution and work in the moment and the landscape where you find yourself. Absolutely. So, okay. Talk to us about what happened after. Yeah, so it kind of changed culture. So what started to happen is we developed this weird 
relationship with our media partners that anytime we would send an advisory or send a release, they would start to say, Hey, I'd love to tell more about this story on air. Could you send me a soundbite on this? Hey, could I get some B-roll of this event? We'd love to cover it. So all of a sudden, even the things that historically wouldn't have ever been mentioned because they didn't have any video content to go with them, they started asking, hey, could we get some video content to plug this in? So it really kind of shifted how we interacted with the TV stations and they saw that partnership and the value of that partnership and wanted to engage with us on it in, again, ways that we never thought they ever would. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting consistently confused by all the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction, and even worse, melt. You knew this would happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come-to-Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem, though. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software, or Adriana from admissions, who just got set up with her new CRM, or Isabel from IT, who is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if you could come to the table with a solution that did not require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, my friend, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface, tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes systems like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their higher ed journey, from prospect to alum. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT, etc., can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that day from Talking Tactics sent you their way. And that was the end of Media Siberia. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so what results did you see? So a partnership shift, yes. there was definitely internal and external partnerships. What results did you see in terms of awareness? You know, I think that's really where we saw a significant awareness shift is because we were able to do this and find a way to make it easy. The TV station built into this partnership and then they started advocating for us. So when we had really good content, they would all call me and ask, Hey, can we upload this to the servers that go out to the national feed? 
So all of a sudden, this local news that we were shooting and editing was going out nationally. We had a story of a graduation experience that we reached out to the TV stations the day before graduation and said, hey, we've got one that we think might be really good. Any chance you're going to be able to come? And they're like, you know, it's Saturday. It's already a skeleton crew. Like, not going to happen. But can we do that video thing we have going on? (laughs) And so we sent the video. And it was a student who was graduating. And as he walked across the stage and got his degree, and as he was coming down the steps, his brother met him on the other side. And his brother was returning from a tour of duty in Kuwait. And so they had this emotional reunion. The entire audience paused. He got a standing ovation, moved to tears. There was not a dry eye in the entire Coliseum. And we knew about it. We were right there and had all of this great video about it. And we're able to interview both the brothers afterwards. And so put that piece together. It was a December graduation. And so put that together. Late Saturday night, I got a phone call from the bureau in Charlotte. And Charlotte was saying, hey, we want to send this out. You know, the stations in Little Rock sent it to us. We'd like to send it out to the National Bureau. Are you okay with that? Who do we need to credit for shooting and editing and the sound bites? So we, you know, gave them the university name. And so then I didn't think anything of it. And because I used to work in television, my guilty pleasure on days that I am off of work is to watch the Today Show uh, because I watched it all the time when I was in the newsroom. Um, And lo and behold, the next Monday morning, as they were doing kind of the open to the Today Show and talking, you know, that casual banter conversation where they have B-roll of different things, there was a um, our, there was a, a video and they were talking about our video, showing that video and Hoda Kotb and Kathy Lee Gifford were talking about this emotional reunion uh, that happened at a graduation ceremony at a small university in Arkansas. And you didn't know that was going to happen? Like it surprised you? It was a total surprise. We had authorized the Bureau to send it to anybody they wanted. And so anybody could pick it up. But we had no idea that the Today Show was going to be the the entity that picked it up and ran with it. That's incredible. Talk about like national awareness, right? Right. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, and then the other side of that is, A, I now tell people that I'm a, a Today Show contributor. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. But, you know, it just raised the entire prestige of the university because all of our alums that saw that nationally were like, wait a sec, did you see this? Did you, did I just see this? They were engaging us on social. They were asking if we had copies of it. I mean, it just created this really proud buzz for the entire university among the people that live throughout the, the country that have an affinity for that university. That's just incredible. I mean, the reach and the scope of impact of that idea you had is just right? so incredible. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. So that's a big moment, right? Like, I'm sure that got you a lot of attention from your bosses and your campus. What was the impact in on your career as a result of this this project? So I think small steps kind of in the immediate, I really use this. And that was kind of where I got the, maybe the first buzz to really say, Hey, I could talk about this at a conference. And so I presented on this idea at a regional high web conference. There was one in Arkansas that year. So that was my first time to really speak at a conference was talking about this topic. And I, I kind of found that I really liked doing that work. 
So it certainly had an impact there, but I think it also was a little bit of a paradigm shift in my own mind of, you know, this worked really well. And it gave me almost my own internal license to say, Hey, I can try new things and we can see where things go. And, you know, if it, it, it was a relatively low risk environment. So why not try it? And it really helped open me up to other things like that to consider those low risk things. So what were some of those things that you try kind of following? You know, I think I really embraced this idea of partnerships and that has kind of stayed with me. And so one of the things I talk about all the time on a lot of on my website and in a lot of conversations is the value of partnerships and how important it is to build those. And so I think this kind of created that. So now, you know, we've done a lot of really creative work with our admissions teams as it relates to personalization because of that. We've done a lot of really unique web kind of thoughts around making content easy for people. And I think all of that stemmed from this idea of if something's low risk, why are we not trying it? And B, if we've got really good partners, why are we not? trying new things and trying to push that limit. I know I think about, and this illustration or analogy, I talk about recycling a lot. And if everybody raises their hand, if you ask people if recycling is good, everybody's going to raise their hand. But what happens sometimes in marketing is we then thump a brand book. When people say they want to work with us, we thump this 80 page brand book on their desk and are like, just follow this. It has everything you need to know in it. And the average person can't look at that, can't translate it, can't understand it. And so then they do exactly what we don't want. And they just go do their own thing because that was way too complicated. And I think we're the same way with recycling. You know, I self-admittedly have sometimes when I can't remember if it's the plastic with the one or the plastic with the two and how to sort the glass from the paper, I just at some point probably get frustrated and throw it all in the trash. And I think marketing, we sometimes don't do a good enough job of making it easy for people. And so because of that, they just go their own way and do their own thing because we thump that 80 page book at them instead of working on this partnership and relationship. And I can 100% say that kind of mentality shift came from the outcomes of this project. Well, and I I can totally see that, right? Like the ingredients were there. You had a an idea, but you needed partnerships to make it happen. You needed partnerships to get content. You needed partnerships to get like the FTP set up, (laughs) right? (laughs) So it's really, you know, when we think about those moments of brilliance, right? We can't really do it alone. Not, not, not most of the time anyway. So it's something, it's exciting that it's something you've carried on in your career what has your career looked like since that moment? Absolutely. So since then, I that was when I was the assistant director of new media. I was elevated to director and then over time worked my way up to leading that entire team, first in an interim and then in a full-time capacity. About six years ago, I started thinking kind of what do I want that next piece of my career to be? And I I was in a leadership program and really decided that I wanted to pursue a doctorate. And so I finished that um, about two years ago now. And then right after that, I moved into the uh, role here at UA Little Rock. And I've now been, next month will be a year and a half. (laughs) Time flies. 
time does fly. I can't believe it's I, at the same time. I can't believe it's been that long, but it hasn't been that long. Like, it's, right. yeah. So kind of thinking of the folks that are listening, you know, and, and the, the ones that have ideas and they want to try them. You mentioned a few things that I think are important. One, if it's a low risk environment, right? Just try it. If, if the idea is a low resource idea, just try it, right? Find your partners, find your advocates that are going to support you in that. You did all those things. I want to, I just want to make sure folks understand like the potential reward from that. So would you share with us how you think that idea and that tactic contributed to all those role changes and like your, where you are today? Absolutely. So I can give you a, you know, so there's that overall kind of mentality shift, but then that had a, I feel a direct impact on the role that I'm in right now. So when I was interviewing for this role, it's, I'm sure not so different than a lot of other CMO kind of leadership positions that you meet with the office, you meet with, you know, the, the university leadership, you do an open forum, you have, you know, kind of those day of presentations to different groups. And so one of the groups I was meeting with was the university cabinet, which was our chancellor, chief of staff, finance and administration, all of those key leadership positions on campus. And in that meeting was someone who had sat in on that presentation a decade ago um, when it was the regional Hyatt web here in Arkansas. Oh, wow. What? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so as part of the Q&A, she asked me, you know, about if I would share kind of that story and share that work and, you know, talk about it and how it maybe applied to my work and how I think about things now. And so it really allowed me to kind of bring that moment full circle to say, you know, this was what I did. And while this tactic is certainly not super relevant today, and, you know, this certainly probably wouldn't work in the capital city because our media partners are just down the street, I do think it highlights the ability and my ability to think creatively and to try new things whenever there's a challenge. So the challenge is going to look different, but the core of me of to being able to be that person that can come in with an idea and say, hey, let's try something and build the partnerships and find the resources to make it happen. That is still very much applicable. Wow. I <laughs> I can't believe that happened. Talk about a, an opportunity to showcase, of course, your right? creative brain and your resourcefulness. But the fact that they like knew exactly the tactic, that's just incredible. It is. It is. You know, it was one of those things that it caught me off guard. And I, but I, I was really ex- enthused that something I had done that long ago had made a, a mental impact with this person and that it had stayed with them. And it came back up in a really, what I think was positive way. Totally. And this is what I'm talking about. Like trying these small tactics, what seem like small things can be total game changers for folks in their careers. Totally. So kind of following that thought, Carrie, what advice do you have for folks? You know, 2008, Carrie, trying, having a challenge, trying to come up with a solution. Higher ed is hard. It's, a, it's sometimes a really challenging environment. What advice do you have for early career folks in our industry? So I would say my advice really hits at learning. That's one of my core values as a person. But I think that kind of looks in two different kind of paths. So one is learn about the industry. 
if we know anything about our industry, it's changing all the time. You know, think the tools that were a part of this tactic, they're not even relevant anymore in the, in the way that they were then. So within, you know, the past few years, our tools, the audience, everything consistently changes. So the more that we can be learning about our industry, what's coming, what's on the horizon, the better off that we are. And then I think the other thing is learn about the adjacent spaces. So, you know, those other areas that we have to work with and collaborate with, that could be advancement, could be our academic partners, the registrar, advising, financial aid, enrollment, admissions, all of those groups that we have to really work closely with. I think it's important to learn, you know, some of the the basics of their work and how they approach things. And an easy way to do that is if you're at conferences where there are sessions related to those topics, go to those. You know, I've learned so much about donor relationships and stewarding donors that I've been able to apply to how we steward students and shepherd those conversations. And so there's a lot of crossover, and I think it makes you a better professional if you have kind of a well-round, broad understanding of the places where we have to partner with and build collaboration in addition to really understanding the marketing and communications work. That's really exceptional advice. And especially when we think about how siloed higher ed can be, if you can be the bridge that breaks down those silos, that's going to open up doors for you. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Carrie, for sharing your story with us. Thank you. It's so inspiring. I I really hope listeners that, you know, thinking about the today for you and what you're trying to solve, that you feel a little bit more brave to try because you don't know, you know, maybe 15 years later, someone's going to ask you about the idea you have right now in your chief role interview. (laughs) It might happen. It might happen. (laughs) Absolutely. No, this was really fun. Thank you for having me. And I love this idea because I think sometimes in higher ed, you know, we see all these people doing incredibly great things and we don't spend enough time talking about, you know, the moments where people were starting out, the moments where something maybe didn't go according to plan, the imposter syndrome that people have. And so I think the more we can talk about those pieces too, it's important. So I love this podcast and this kind of idea that you're bringing to, to light. Well, thank you so much uh, for being our very first person to share your trajectory. Uh, I'm feeling very inspired. I know our listeners will be too. And uh, to listeners out there, try the tactics. Be brave. You don't know just what door it might open. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to Talking Tactics. If you're inspired by what you heard today, I want to know. Find me on LinkedIn by searching for my name. That's Diana Kibilds, D-A-Y-A-N-A-K-I-B-I-L-D-S. And if you're enjoying Talking Tactics, please rate and review the show because there is nothing I love more than a good grade and positive reinforcement. Finally, if you just can't get enough good content, Check out the other Enrollify Network podcasts for more higher ed marketing and admissions knowledge and inspiration. Season two of Talking Tactics is coming this January. Until next time, keep walking the walk and talking the tactics.